0: Assalamualaikum warahmatullahi wabarakatuh. Assalamualaikum warahmatullahi wabarakatuh. Waalaikumsalam. Warahmatullahi wabarakatuh. Uh, waalaikumsalam. Thank you, Ustad. Um, hi everyone. So today, we have just started a pilot project and this is the Shah Nightlife. So welcome to the Shahero Nightlife. This is our weekly podcast that we do every Sunday around 10.30pm. So without much further ado, Let's start the show, we'll get Saiful Rahman to share more about this week's topic, which is, oh, what exactly is Islam? <laughs> wow, uh,
1: thank what you everybody exactly? for those. Yeah. As usual, I want to start by asking you the
0: question, oh. what is Islam? Oh, what is Islam? Yeah. Islam is, in my understanding, it's a relationship you have with God. Mm-hmm. Good And maintain.
2: Yeah. Iskander? I think it's a submission to the will of God, of Allah. Good. Uh Ilyas?
0: Um it's a, it's a way to lead your life. Um way there's to things to do and things not to do. So yeah.
1: Okay. That's Last but good. not least, Ruisi?
3: Um, I believe it's also a form of discipline, you know, a way to kind of manage your life from a lens of, you know, what is right and what is wrong. Why not?
2: Good.
1: I, I think um, to understand Islam is not just one of the definitions that each one of you mentioned, but it's actually a combination of all of that, right? Uh, there are many layers to understanding what really Islam is. Usually, when we read textbooks, they will say Islam is submission to the will of God. That's the most uh, famous, I suppose, definition of what being a Muslim is. Uh, but, you know, it's actually uh, quite a difficult um, uh, concept to grasp because what do you mean by submission uh, number one to the will of God, whatever that will is, you know, so I have difficulty, especially when I was, I'm teaching like uh, people who are just learning about Islam, why is this submission? Because it's a very strange concept to most people, right? For born Muslims, this is perfectly understood. We understand what that, does it mean by submission to the will of God. However, in theory, it's perfect, but in practice, you and I know it's a bit difficult, right? <laughs> I mean, for example, this morning, what time do you wake up for fajr? Do you just wake up for fajr just at the nick of time or you, you wake up earlier because, you know, you want to do, perform some, some tahajud or, you know, so on and so forth? When was the last time you recite the Quran just because you want to know what's in the Quran, right? Rather than just having to do it because you have to do it. So, in theory, it's a bit difficult. Um, another famous way to answer this question, most people when I ask what is Islam for the born Muslims would be Islam is prayers, fasting, zakat, right? Especially prayers. You know, people will say oh, Islam is pray five times a day, you know, but I'm telling you that is not Islam. You know, those are the means in which you lead a life which an Islamic way of life. But those by it in itself is not Islam. Right? Because on first principles, the first thing that you need to know is Islam is to accept that there is only one God, and that is Allah at the top of the hierarchy, and the Prophet Muhammad wasallam is his messenger. So literally, number one, to negate anything that um, uh, ascribe things to godhood, right? power, or so on and so forth, and then uh, to believe that Prophet Muhammad is his messenger, and to not only believe in that, to follow in his examples, his Sunnah. Right? So everything that emanates from this perspective, in the first and foremost, in first principles, is what we call Tawheed. So sometimes when you go online or you go for classes, you find that uh, they have this topic called Tawheed. Tawheed is learning about the oneness of God and the aspects of faith. Right? So that's one. Number two, but that's not just it. Uh, you know, We always say that Islam, in its definition, what does it mean? Islam means?
3: Islam. Islam
1: means? Peace? Peace, right? Everybody <laughs> will say Islam means peace. Yeah. It's a word that we throw around because literally in linguistic uh, form, that's what it means, right? So meaning the objective of embracing this way of life, this lifestyle must result in the adherent um, uh, obtaining peace within by himself and with others okay so if you just say that uh islam is prayers then if the prayer does not transform you does not bring you to a sense of peace does not make you connect with allah does not make you uh, establish prayer for my remembrance and if that doesn't happen you pray because you just have to pray then it is not effective then it does not uh, achieve the objective
2: Mm.
1: right so um so the prayers, the zakat, the fasting, the hajj, all these are means in which because you choose a certain lifestyle that you only accept one God and the Prophet Muhammad is his messenger and you listen and you obey whatever that he does. So this way of life, these prayers, this zakat, this fasting must transform you. If it does not transform, then it's just like, you know, exercising. Like you know, the Iskandar used to do martial arts. Yeah. Right, it's just martial yeah. arts, but it does not do anything to you. So beyond submission, the religion Islam and being a Muslim is at the end through belief, system, and through the rituals that we perform, our deeds, our ibadah, leads you to a lifestyle that brings you a sense of peace. Mm. So hopefully, I mean, um, some most of you, the panelists, you are pretty new to Islam, one or two years old. Uh, I hope when you think about it, when you compare your lifestyle previously and your lifestyle now, it's different, and hopefully, it's a kind of lifestyle that is at least brings you to a state of peace with yourself, and you know you obtain peace with others as well. Is
0: is that something that you you resonate to you? Most certainly, and yeah. some like people said, you know, uh, Islam is also I shall love all mankind. <laughs> I shall love all mankind.
1: Well, literally, the concept is correct. You know, because you know why do you need to, why do you must love all mankind? Because all of us are created by God. And so if we hate his creations, that means we hate him. Hmm. So even if someone does something bad to you, so the issue is, let's say somebody does something, inflict pain and injury to you, you detest his actions, but you still love him as a person. I mean, it's a, 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 a tall order to, to, to ask from most of us, but it's something that as Muslims we aspire. So the thing is this, uh, Islam b- brings you to a lifestyle which is at peace, right? And, but the thing is, it does not happen overnight. Just because you convert today, tomorrow, you're going to be at peace. It, it doesn't work that way. Okay? So therein, therein comes in the rituals, the ibadah, the faith, the patience, the steadfastness, and so on and so forth. All that, all of that, that we've been learning, so these are the tools that we need to carry us through to the journey in which eventually, inshallah, we find find
3: I have a question about Salah. Yeah. So... Um, you know how you say, like, praying is not necessarily, like, the only aspect of Islam. There is, like, a lot, lot more. For example, um, a lot of people stress the importance of praying five times a day. It's like, if you pray only, like, twice a day, you're, like, you know, not praying enough and you're not practicing Islam enough. But mm. in that kind of context, like, like what if the person was just, like, I don't know, struggling with something and cannot, like, pray five times a day at that very moment. But it's, like, trying in other aspects of Islam. Like, how important is I guess, like prayer in the beginning for a beginner Muslim?
1: Right. So good, good question. So we tackle this at two levels. Number one is somebody who's absolutely new. Like yesterday he prayed zero times because he's not a Muslim. Today he becomes a Muslim and then he's now trying to adapt to this new lifestyle. Okay. So for that kind of situation, um, you know, usually when you speak to born Muslims, they say, you know, you must pray five times a day. If you don't, you go to hellfire, and, and there's sort of always that kind of uh, carrot and stick, right? And this becomes problematic because, uh, and then you start to see Islam as something that if you do, you get reward, and you don't do, you get, you, you get uh, punished, and everything just boils down to this. And if it, it is, then it makes no meaning for someone who take up this path, right? So the reason why someone always tells you you must pray and stress on prayers is because the first thing, uh, eventually on the day of judgment, that Allah asks you when, you, you know, you're face to his, face with Him, is He's going to ask you, how are your prayers? So that's the first kind of uh, Q&A that leads to your judgment that would affect how you be judged. So for example, if you've been taking care of your uh, obligatory prayers, the five daily prayers, and if it's good, it's always on time and you're in a state of khusho and concentration and you feel it and you become a better person as a result of that. Then Allah says, okay, then that's good enough. I'm not going to check his book of records. He's just going to go up to paradise. MashaAllah. Right? Wow. But amongst us, like seriously, even for me, I cannot say that for sure. Like sometimes I pray late. You know, sometimes my khusho is not there. You know, there are good days, there are bad days, you know, and that's why it's always a struggle. The struggle is to keep on going and going and not to give up. So let's say the answer to that question, how is your obligatory prayers? And the answer is not so good. And then Allah will ask the second question. And the second question is, how are his sunnah or his voluntary prayers? The one before, before the Zohar and after the Zohar, that sort of prayers, right? Now, if he guards them properly and he prays them all the time, then that acts as a plaster uh, to, to the handicap or to the, to the things that you, uh, you lack of in your obligatory prayers. And so if that is enough of that, and then Allah says, okay, good, go up. Okay? But if, I mean, in reality, if your obligatory prayers is not good, your sunnah would definitely be not good, right? And then Allah will and this will be the scary part, and he says, open his book of records. And you and I know if Allah starts to value us for every single thing we do and we don't do, we are, we are in deep trouble. And so, you know, uh, we want to avoid that. So these are the shortcuts into paradise, one of which, which, which is prayer. Now, so what about a new uh, revert uh, to Islam? Uh, you know, sometimes it's difficult to institute a discipline in which he or she wakes up at, you know, in Singapore, it's about 5.30 in the morning and then 1 o'clock uh, in the afternoon and then 4.30 and then 7.00 and 8.30, right? These are the timings in which uh, the prayers are are to be done. Now, what I used to advise uh, my students, and I think even Fredos might remember this, when you're new to Islam, now, the thing about prayer five times a day, from the outside, you see it as something that's quite um, torturous, right? From zero prayer, and then suddenly you have to do five. It's like, wow, it's a bit too too much. But uh, Islam when it institutes these five daily prayers, it's not to torture us. Right? It's to institute in us a sense of discipline. And the, the, the word that Rishi was using is a very good word to use, actually, in regards really to prayers. It's the discipline. Because you ask yourself, the Quran says we institute prayers at prescribed timing. Why, why, why are these timing? <clears throat> let, let, let's go through that. Okay, number one, fajar. Okay, when you wake up, you perform the fajar. Uh, Why do you do that? Right. In, in life, when we wake up, we check our WhatsApp, right? We check whether anybody likes our Instagram. We check our Facebook. So we, we want to connect with Allah. So Allah says, when you wake up, connect with me. Because for the last six, eight hours, when you were sleeping, you were just off. So we pray the Fajr. And you know, especially maybe not your age, my age, where we start to have back aches, <laughs> you know, or maybe Iskandar, when he was doing his martial arts, you know, his body starts to ache. Fajr is the best time to perform uh, in those movements, especially roko and sujud, where you can take your time, you know, you stretch your, your back, and you know, when you perform your sujud, you stretch your whole body, and you just stretch and do it slow as you can. And because it's Fajr, you just woke up, so you're not going to rush anyway, right? So just stretch, Subhana, Rabia, azimi Hamdi, and you repeat three times. And by the time you finish your Fajr, you finish your exercise. You know, in in a way, some people say the positioning of the prayer is something like the yoga kind of thing. I don't take yoga, so I wouldn't know. But the thing is, the stretching is amazing at my age, especially your age. Maybe you're not, you won't appreciate it. So number number two, zohor, it is about one o'clock lunchtime. So you you go to work and you work so hard, and sometimes it's you know you get scolding. Sometimes you uh, you fail in this, and then you know your your colleagues start to make uh, snap remarks and all that, and so It's it's challenging. Then Allah says, well, it's half time, you know, stop everything, leave everything behind. When you enter the mosque, leave all your baggage at the door, come in and just talk to me, surrender to me, tell me what's your problem. You know, ease all your discomfort, all all the anger that you have, release the valve and, you know, let it go. And then when you come out from the mosque or, you know, from a prayer area, and then you pick up your baggage again, you realize that when you go back to work, you can deal with these issues better because now you're much more relaxed and calm and you can face it without the emotional baggage. And then your asar, which is about four-ish. And this is the time when, you know, you're about to get ready to go home. You're about to finish your work. And you guess what happens? Your boss always gives you something to finish before the end of the day, correct? He stress you and you're like, oh my God, my wife is waiting for me. I have an appointment to go have dinner with her. I need to go home. I didn't have time. And this guy suddenly pumped this on me and last 30 minutes, he said, finish this before you go. Okay. So Allah says, take a break, five minutes, complain to me, let go of all this stress that you have and then come back and you can perform more effectively. And then Maghrib, you know, to cut it short, you know. It's a time when, you know, you finish the whole, the, you know, the whole baggage of work you leave behind in your home. At the comfort of your home, Allah says, okay, now you just relax. Switch from office uh, attitude to home attitude to people who really love you. To people who are waiting for you all the time. The people who, who has hopes in you. So that when you come back, all the things that you, the struggles that you face in your office is just left behind. And you become a happy, loving husband or wife at home. And then he says, before you sleep, just update me. Talk to me for five minutes or whatever you take, how long you take to pray. And then, you know, and then we're good. And then you surrender yourself. You have a mini death and you sleep and then you're you're done. So praying on time is important. So praying is important. Praying on time is important. So the next thing you're going to ask is what if I'm new? Does it make me uh, non-Muslim for not praying uh, just because of that virtue? The answer is no. Right, The most important thing of being a Muslim is that you believe in the oneness of God and is Allah. And in the Shahada, you also mention as a continuance of that, that you follow the examples of the Prophet to reach the level of faith that Allah requires of you. So you pray. But sometimes you pray once, twice. Sometimes you don't pray. You know, maybe. You know, that doesn't make you a non-Muslim. It makes you an incomplete Muslim. Mm. Don't give up because once the fact that you know that you regret that today i did not do the five that you regret there's still hope Mm -hmm. so aspire tomorrow plan properly make sure that you put some time you know in the day you're at work you don't have to zikir or read the quran so much you know when you're praying it just takes five minutes you know so you know you go to the toilet for your normal toilet business it's more than five minutes right? Mm-hmm. If you don't have a place, it's, don't worry, just bring your sajada and go to the staircase, clean it up, and then, you know, you can just pray there every day, you know? So, there's no really much excuse for us not to pray. So, 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 so just do that, Strug- struggle a little bit, and try to uh, tell yourself, I'm going to do better tomorrow. Now, as I long have- as there is that regret, and there are actions that follow as a result of that regret to improve on your situation, inshallah, I think you'll be fine
3: i like to add something as well. Um, yeah. It's almost like, you know, sometimes like um, pe- when people have like kind of like a craving for something or mm. like some people smoke cigarettes, right? And mm. they want to have a cigarette break during the day, like yeah. maybe around like lunchtime or in the afternoon. They're like, yeah. I have to leave work. I have to go outside into the back door to, you know, smoke a cigarette to have like a 10 minute break. And then I- I'm going to come back to work and whatever. Yeah. But that in society is seen as acceptable. However, for some reason, prayer is more taboo. It's more easier to say, oh, um. Excuse me, boss. I have to go out and take a smoke, rather than say, "Excuse me, boss. I have to go out and pray." They might be more okay with one rather than the other, but in essence, like prayer is kind of like the cigarette break, quote unquote, cigarette break for the soul, you know. And if we don't have the prayer, we tend to do things like you know, scroll on like um, Instagram or like text friends and stuff as our like cigarette break.
1: Yeah, yeah. So, so in in places where you think it is, it will be difficult for you to get permission to pray because you say, I'm going to take a prayer break and, you know, it's going to be frowned upon. If you just say, I'm going to take a break, I'm going to go to the toilet and then you just, you just do what you need to do, right? Mm-hmm. Do not use that society's uh, uh, standards to impede you from performing what you need to perform with Allah because this will be your challenge, right? Mm-hmm. So if even though, uh, you know, it's difficult, um, if you have to give reason you know, that you need to go to the toilet or you need to go for whatever break. Just just tell them whatever they you know, that's pissing to their ears and then you go to one side, uh hit it, hit yourself in the in the in the staircase or whatever and perform what you need to perform, come
0: back and all's good. Okay. Um thanks, Ustad. Uh, earlier you mentioned about the Shahada uh for mm-hmm. Who are new to Islam? Shahada is like the declaration of faith in Islam. Yeah. Um. But we would like to ask a question like, when someone says the professed Islamic faith, what does it really mean? Mm, okay. Uh. Once. Um. So so like you know. Yeah. They, yeah, they said that there, there's no god but uh there's no god worthy of worship but Allah and yeah. that Muhammad peace be upon him is his messenger. That's that's the Shahada. In yeah. English. So, what does that actually uh, really mean when they say that?
1: So, um, if you want to be a Muslim, you will have to say the Shahada. And even after you become a Muslim, you repeat the Shahada a few times a day by virtue, at, at least in the minimum, through your prayers, right? So, you say, Ashadu Allah, I declare that there is no God but Allah. So, that tawhid or uh, 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 the idea of God that you subscribe to, only, there's only one. And it's a very particular one, which is Allah. You know, you know what as Allah means in Arabic? The God. Yeah, Al that means the one and only. Ilah is God. So if you combine these two, Allah. So that means the God. So you are you are testifying orally uh, in front of your witnesses that you know I declare that now I only listen to Him, I obey Him, and He is my objective. And in order for you to, for me to reach there. I will follow the example of the Prophet and his examples is the way in which it leads me back to Allah. So literally, when you do that, you um, have negate every other uh, belief apart from Islam, apart from Allah and uh, your actions, your behavior must then also resonate the oral declaration that you've just made. That means, if let's say prior to this, you're working at a place which makes um, idols for worship and then today you convert to Islam, you must make sure that what you say and what you believe in your heart and what you do with your hands must all uh, be consistent and so you will have, you should find a better job. You know?
0: Yeah, speaking of the, um, you mentioned about the Shahada, um, believing in one God and Hmm. what we profess, we also have to practice in action, right? Um, Yeah. And Allah also mentioned somewhere in the Quran about us being tested, and I think one of, in my uh, opinion, one of those ways is He tests us by wh- whether we perform our prayers and stuff, yeah. and uh, by doing our prayers itself, we are re-visiting uh, that shahada ag- again, right? Right?
1: Yeah. So, so when you pray, um, there's a hadith that says that if you don't pray, then you're not a Muslim, right? So let's say I, 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 I didn't pray for one whole day, and so if I List, uh, you know follow the hadith then I'm out, of, I'm out of islam but let's say on the second day i decided that okay lah, let's let's pray like even though you know you pray because maybe your parents call you or, or whatever so i just pray and within that prayer you say the Shahada. so it is a way in which allah is including you into the system and you're automatically brought back because you say the Shahada, you're brought back so that's one of the beauty uh, of, of the prayer um, number two you also must know that whether you pray or you don't pray, it does not benefit Allah a bit. Right? Mm-hmm. Like He's still the Almighty. He's still the most powerful. He's still the most omnipotent. He's still all of that. But we pray because we need it because it benefits us. In a tanha anil wal munkar. Verily, the prayer when you perform this, it 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 enjoins you to perform good stuff, and it uh, prevents you from performing sinful stuff. Right? So um, the more we pray the more number one you know in the prayer if you understand what you recite you understand that most of it is asking for forgiveness asking for guidance so you benefit and the more you ask for this the more you're being polished out from you know all your sins and the more the guidance of allah will come will come to you inshallah right so number point number two the prayer does not benefit him but it benefits us um number three in the system of islam that i mentioned earlier on the prayers are instituted at specific timing because at each of these timing, if you realize, if you sit back tonight and you think about what happens during those times, you realize that those are the weakest moment in which we are disconnected with Allah. And so he says, in this time, then pray. Also in this time, if at prayer, you know, you lament to me whatever that you're going through, then maybe I will release you from the stress that you're going through. Right? And number five, which is, I think, the most intimate for me would be, the Prophet ﷺ said that prayer is an intimate conversation a mukmin has with his God. Right? Mm-hmm. So, so, that, so, every prayer, especially if you understand what you're reciting, there is always a response from Allah. So, for example, uh, you know, no matter how fast one prays, uh, example, in reading Surah Al-Fatiha, we should always pause because it is it's seven verses and pause at every verse. Don't combine. Alhamdulillah, alamin, ar-Rahman, and You can do that in one breath. You can, but it makes no meaning, right? Mm-hmm. You say Alhamdulillah, Robbal alamin. Pause. ar-Rahman rahim. Pause. Malihiyadidin. Because for every of the sentences that you recite, the Prophet said Allah responds. So when you say Alhamdulillah, Robbal alamin, He has praised me. And so, if, so, therefore, on the day of judgment, I will also praise him. Ar-Rahman, he has extolled me. So, on the day of judgment, I will not demean him. Mm-hmm. You know. So, for every sentence, I mean, if you look at the hadith, Allah responds. So, give him time to respond to your prayers.
3: Okay.
1: Right? Okay. So, those two are important. So, I mean, we can we talk about prayers, you know, the whole night. But, you know, but those are some of the beautiful things that happens mm-hmm. when you pray.
3: That also makes me wonder, like... Um You know, for example, you said, you know, just because you don't pray a day, this does not Mm. mean you're automatically not Muslim, but a lot of people sometimes think that they think if you're not praying, you're not Muslim, you're not part Mm. of us if you don't pray. But Mm. this type of like exclusion type of mindset excludes Mm. people and really pushes people away because it kind of makes them feel like striving for an impossible. But I guess you can also, can you think of it almost like a parent and child relationship? Like if one day, let's say you disrespect your parents or you don't talk to your parents, are you still their child? You know, it's almost yeah. like that kind of situation. Or if you... I think the community,
1: your- Yeah, the community gives you a very hard carrot and stick kind of um, thing. Like you don't pray you're, you're go to he- going to have fire. You don't pray you're not one of us, you know. And I hope that's not the society that you're living in. Because that's kind of a harsh environment to, to struggle. Um, everyone has their own struggle. Uh, it is important that, therefore, if it's you who's struggling the most important thing that I would suggest would be to know that you need to perform it yourself. Don't have to have anyone telling you that it's, it's wrong. Number two, uh, that you always uh, improve upon what you, had, you did yesterday. And that's, that's the only way in which you get up, uh, you know, doing these five daily prayers. It, it will be challenging, especially for someone who's new. Granted, I accept that. So, you, so what I used to tell uh, Fredaos in class is this. If you want to change your schedule, because it's just, prayer is just more than just, you know, going to the sujada and then, you know, and, and then and perform your ritual. But it's more of a body disciplining. You know, at one point in time, I don't even use a watch because my body is, tells me that, you know, it's time to pray. My body starts to fidget. Because every day when I pray, I pray at a specific time. And if I don't do that, my body tells me, you're not doing it. Right? So in the first week, let's say you're new. What I suggest to people who are new to, Muslim, to Islam is this. In the first week, for example, choose one prayer. Let's say maybe choose Isha. It's as simplest. you're at home, you're relaxed. Choose Isha prayer. Pray at a specific time and do not miss it. Every day pray that Isha, just one prayer. Second week, add another prayer, maybe Maghrib. So for the second week, make sure you perform two prayers, uh, you know, exactly at the same time. Do not miss it. And then three, four, five. So by the fifth week, you're able to gradually include all these five prayers and what you're doing actually is number one, to insert a discipline, number two, you're telling your body at this time, you are going to pray. So it becomes a habit and, and you don't have to think about, you know, should I pray, should I not pray anymore? It, all these things become academical. You just, your body tells you you need to pray and you straight away pray, inshallah.
0: Inshallah. Okay. Um, coming back to the the oneness of God. Okay. Um, Maybe to help some of our new listeners here who are like new to Islam, uh, why do we Muslims say there's only one God and not multiple gods? Uh, to believe that there is only one God is the basic
1: tenet of what it means to be a Muslim. Okay, so that's number one. How do you know that you know, there's only one God? Because <laughs> the easiest answer to tell you is this. Allah declares it himself tell them, when they ask you about me, I am the one and only. Allahus-Samat, the one, the eternal, the absolute. And in that, in that verse, not only does he declare himself to be one, he even corrected the misconception people have of uh, Nabi Isa or Jesus. And he says, I beget not neither am I begotten. And there is nothing comparable to me at all. Whatever you can imagine, that's not me. That cannot be me. I'm beyond your imagination. So he declares, so in those very clear terms, when he says that, then there's no way for us to argue, right? So that's number one. And then if you say that, well, Islam is very dogmatic, it tells you, it tells you, it tells you. So he does this in, a, in another way. In Suratul imbran he says, meaning, behold, in the creation of the heavens and the earth. So he's saying, look at the way in which things have been created. Uh, and in the way in which I alternate between day and night, that you know is so specific that every time at seven, uh, example, um, maybe five forty-five uh, time for prayer, you know, the sun rises and at seven, seven ish, the sun sets. So it's very specific. So he says, everybody can create, right? But can can somebody manage the system from the beginning of time till the end of time as perfectly as Allah has done it? La ayatil albab. So he says, so in these two things, he says, are for people, these are signs that I exist for those who truly reflect. Surat Imran. And then, you know, if you look at another aspect of his attributes, he has ninety-nine attributes, right? His characteristics. So he describes himself, he says, I'm the first before everything exists, I existed. والأخير. And after everything ended, I will still be there. I'm the last one. I'm still going to be existing. And he says, I, one of my name is Al-Bakhi. I'm the everlasting one. Doesn't perish. Right? And then he says in Surah ar rahman uh, verse 26-27, he says, Everything shall perish, but forever will remain we will sustain itself, full of majesty and glory. So he describes about himself in that way. And then interestingly, how did he describe about us? He says in maybe Suratul ankabut there are many verses like this. In Surah Al-Ankabut, in chapter 21, verse 35, he says, Every living thing, every living soul shall have a taste of death. Mm-hmm. So he's going to be there. Right? He describes himself, I'm the one. He says, the way I create, imagine that, think about it. And this is, these are my characteristics. And then not only that he says in surah al-baqarah he says ibadi, and if you ask if you, if you he told the prophet if anybody asks you about me tell them i'm near how near
0: Jagular vein
1: jagged Jagula vein the only vein that connects your heart pumping information and feelings to your brain that tells you whether you're you're in pain or you're happy or whatever so uh, this is how near he's not at the juggler vein, but is closer to you than your juggler hmm. Okay, so this these are the things that uh, makes us uh, confirm. You know, most important aspect of of a believer is that
0: there's only one God. Uh, so how do you tell this to like, someone who's like uh who's not familiar with the Quran or someone <laughs> is new to Islam? How do you explain this concept? I suppose explain like how
1: I explain it, <laughs> I guess. <laughs> I mean, I just did it. <laughs> uh, and then you, you decided to, to embrace Islam. So I suppose it's, it's somehow it works.
2: Yeah. You know, okay. <laughs> so so the, thing is,
1: the thing is this. Huh? When you want to explain something to people, do not come from a point where you want to show off that you've read a lot or you know a lot. When you want to talk to people, talk to people in the way in which they would understand. Rephrase it if you need to. You know, unpack it if you need to. If you just read a book, do not, do not quote-unquote the book and throw it at someone. It, it, it doesn't work. The level of understanding is different. So make sure whatever information that you've studied, you've learned, you've acquired is uh, applicable to the person whom you're speaking to. I mean, that's the Sunnah of the Prophet, he says, right? Speak to them to the level of their understanding. So that's how you should do it. And be as real as possible. You know, sometimes if you speak so difficult, I mean, like sometimes at university, you find some professor really talks like, I don't know what they're talking about. It's so complicating. I, I believe that, you know, if they really understood what they're saying, they could simplify it. Mm. And I think the greatest technique of conveying a message is to understand it in your, fully in your heart so that you'll be, you'll be able to explain it as simple as possible to others so that they can understand it for themselves.
0: Mm. But that's a skill. Yes, mashallah.
1: Yeah, I mean we have courses like this. I mean, so if you <laughs> have that kind of opportunity in your area, you know, go for it. Mm. Great, right?
0: Uh, right. Yep.
3: But anyone all- else? Oh, sorry. Yep. Um, uh, yeah, okay. even though we have one God, how do we know which um sect is correct? And within the sect, which school of jurisprudence is correct? Right? In in Islam, if like a beginner searches up, okay, like you know. Um, okay, I want to be Muslim. Okay, which which Muslim am I? You know, am I Shia? Am I Sunni? Am I Sufi? Or um, am I just Sunni? But there's four other schools of jurisprudence. Okay, yeah, so am I Sunni yeah. Hanbali Hanafi Maliki? Oh my god, okay, so many. This offices. is something that
1: doing? I worry for you, <laughs> especially if you're new to Islam, and then you'll be wondering like, what should I be? Okay, and you the if I mean you talk to different people, they all have give you different answers to this, right? So first and foremost um uh the easiest way to handle this is to look at the way in which you perform your rituals okay which one should i follow so usually in a certain area a certain madhab is more prevalent because it is the most convenient to perform rituals based on that sort of understanding and therefore that sort of teaching so you you follow it right um so, example, in Singapore, we are mostly, the, the prevalent madhab is Shafi'i, so most of us, at its outset, in its basic form, we follow the Shafi'i madhab. Okay, so, so, so that's a simpler one. Now, uh, whether to decide you're a Sunni or Shia, I mean, I'm a Sunni, so maybe I have my uh, preference. So, what I would say is this, the, the, through, through many sayings of the Prophet and through studying, you realize that the prophet enjoined going to a path which is the most common mm-hmm. so that's why we say ahli sunnah or jama'ah the sunni followers who are the jama'ah who are the majority right so we go with the majority okay and especially if you're new um, to islam i would say stick to the basics first and don't dwell too much with things which are beyond the basic sharia. Okay, I'm, I'm not going to mention uh, things which are confusing, but I'm just going to say if you're new to Islam within your first five years or first ten years of Islam even, just stick to the basic sharia, uh, perform things which are what the majority of the, the, the Ummah is performing, and so your safety net is in the jama'ah. Mm-hmm. Okay, so follow that as, as, as a basic example. If you perchance meet someone and uh, explain to you that you should join their group and their group does certain things and all that, um, if, especially if you're new, most people will try to seduce you into joining all of this. So my advice is just say, thank you. I'm a new Muslim. I just want to fulfill my basic necessities as best as I can. I'm still struggling. I'm not ready to perform those high-level things that you are talking about okay now how then will you become a spiritual person eventually it is through your uh, discipline uh, performing of your basic sharia rituals eventually and then you will develop the beauty of what you do in your own terms and this i think is the most important Mm
3: -hmm.
1: don't find shortcut and join other people who may be advanced in their Search of Islam, and because if your basic are not right, whatever you join is going to be short term. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. I'm trying to be as neutral as I can. You understand what I'm saying?
3: Mm-hmm.
1: And especially for new reverts, just mm-hmm. stick to the basic. Just do, just, just improve on your basic, make your basic understand what you're saying, your prayer, for example, read the Quran more, perform all these things. Eventually, when it's time for you to, to reach something else, Allah would extend that invitation to you. Okay? Right. Don't force yourself to get an invitation.
0: You, you get what I mean? Mm. <laughs> okay. Okay. Because okay, um, uh, we're now at the 40-minute mark, and yeah. I think we should not miss this point, which is why do we call um, new you know, people who come and embrace Islam, we call them reverts instead of converts?
1: Yeah, okay, I mean, good question, basic question. Uh, you know, in the past, uh, they've always referred to uh, new Muslims as converts, and that it becomes sort of like a habit. But Alhamdulillah, in the last few years, I mean, in the last decade or so, uh, Muslims begin to realize that that concept is wrong. Okay? The concept of convert is actually, uh, he is a revert. Because in the initial fitra, in which how we were born, all of us, the Prophet Wasallam said, all of, us, all of us were born Muslims. It is our parents or our environment that makes us into something else. So when you were something else, you grew up as something else. And then, you know, maybe at this age, you decided to, through whatever ways, maybe, you know, through a girlfriend or a boyfriend, or maybe just through your curiosity, you learn about Islam. And then you decide that this is what it should be. And then you wanted to uh, become a Muslim or convert. It's actually to revert back to how you were when you were born into this earth. Right? So that's why you see that uh, the hadith also says that, you know, if you die before the age of discretion, that you cannot choose between right and wrong, uh, no matter what family you were born into, what religion you were then assumed to be, you will still enter paradise because you have no conscious choice. But after you are able to make a conscious choice and you still remain or you become a Muslim, then you will
0: be dealt with according to your choice. So that is uh, saying like after puberty or somebody who yes, starts after puberty. puberty. Yes. Okay. Um, but hey, this is like, for, I ever mentioned this before to someone and they said, but that you're, you're taking the reference from a Muslim perspective mm. of uh, the way of life. But if you were to be, uh, let's say a Christian or something, mm-hmm. they would say that, you know, they are the first one to, to, to be here and, you know, revert things yeah. to them. <laughs> yeah.
1: It's okay. Anybody can claim that theirs is... First one, <laughs> I guess. Um, but as far as we understand this, uh, the first man on earth, Nabi Adam, AS, you know, he's, he's a Muslim. Like, if you look at the story of Nabi Adam, it cannot run away from the concept of Islam, right? So, what was the story of Nabi Adam all about? Number one, it's about obeying Allah and submitting to Allah. Allah says, prostrate, Iblis did not prostrate, and then repercussions. And then Allah says, La you know, uh, Uh, Do not go near the tree, but he went near the tree. He not only go near, he plucked the fruit and he ate the fruit. So it's about submission. It's about obedience. You know, the kind of submission that Iskandar was talking about at the beginning of this session. Right? So, So the whole story of Nabi Adam really is to explain what is Islam. And I asked you what is Islam and you said Islam is peace, submission. It's to explain all of that. Right. And that's why the beauty thing, the beautiful thing is that the one that sets us apart from the Christian is that after all of that happened, Allah uh you know, put Nabi Adam on earth, and as far as the Christians are concerned, they carry the original sin to earth. But the Muslims are concerned, Allah inspired Nabi Adam to read the dua rabbana Zalamna and wa ilam takfirlana, And because of that dua, Allah you know, in another verse, in Surah Al-A'raf says, and you were forgiven, your, your repentance was accepted. And then he says, and then go down to the earth. Mm-hmm. So, his coming down to earth wasn't about punishment because the very first time Allah talks about humankind in Surah Al-Baqarah, he says, uh, I am going to create a vice on earth, a khalifa fill out. Remember, in Surah chapter 2, verse 30, uh, he told the angels, I am going to create a khalifa on earth. So we know from the beginning, before the story of Nabi Adam came about, the verse tells us that whoever is going to be on earth is going to be Allah's vice juror, Allah's deputy. And this is an honorable uh, rank. You know, it's not a slave per se. When Allah talks about us in the first time, he doesn't refer to us as a slave. He refers to us as a khalifa. I am going to give you earth, manage it, and I'm going to assess you in how you manage this earth. And then mm-hmm. in order to exemplify this concept, Adam was created. Nabi Adam was created, and then he, you know, and then Iblis was given as a first warning. And then after, Nabi Adam ate the fruit anyway, and then you know he asked for forgiveness, and and Allah continued with the plan, go down to earth and become a Khalifa. He did not say go down to earth because you are punished,
0: right? So, yeah. Uh, so strikingly, two different concepts. One is you go down to earth uh, with original sin, and the other yeah. one is you are forgiven, but you are just going down and you are going to supervise and see whether you. Agree yeah, you'll be tested. Tested. Yeah. yeah. How okay. do you manage your investment for the hereafter?
1: You know, as opposed to being sinful since the beginning of time until now. <laughs> you know, so that doesn't make sense, right? So um, that's why in Islam, a very important concept, I think we're going to talk about this in the next two or three sessions, is despite all of that, how do I return to Allah? How do I tawbah? How do I repent? Mm-hmm. And in Islam, it's a very beautiful concept. It's easy. You don't have to, I don't know, kill a cow for it or whatever. You just you just yeah. talk to Allah. It's a very direct thing.
2: Mm-hmm. What if and I that is the cor- beauty of it. Say again. What, what if I hang my son on the cross and um, maybe he will forgive me, but <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> what? I don't
1: understand the question. Why would you hang your...
2: I, yeah, okay. maybe if I hang my child on the cross, then maybe, you know. If you're God, do you even have
1: to do that and sacrifice a, a child to show that you love us? Yes. You know, a very bigger way of telling us that would be because I love you so much. Then, if you have done something wrong, I'll always forgive you no matter what you do, and and all you need to do is just ask me. And the the words of someone who's asking for repentance is sweeter to me than you know than than anything else. So this this the beauty about you know yeah. Mm. That, that, you know, when you want to talk about how much God loves you, this is way beyond how much God loves you.
0: Like, so unconditional. Mm.
3: Right?
0: Yeah. Yes. Mm. Okay, so uh, someone asked, you know, um, would you, when you call somebody a revert, right, are you putting a label on them and they can't leave that label of revert? They want to be Muslim. Right?
1: Ah, that's something that I always want to tell all of you who are new to Islam now maybe you're new and you're still learning the ropes you you call yourself i'm a new muslim or i'm a revert to islam but this has to stop sometime <laughs> i mean you i mean as far as i'm concerned you're a muslim right uh, you know there are other born muslims who, who were born muslims but are not pursuing the knowledge of islam and you know you might even at this point have a, a more deeper knowledge and islam than than them so well if you are revert, you are at the point when you are reverting, you are revert. Finish. Right? And then, as time goes by, please don't call yourself I'm a revert. Finish lah with that, with that title. You are a Muslim. <laughs> full stop. Right? I'm, I, I won't say that, oh, I'm a Singapore Muslim. Uh, Iskanda is a Netherlands Muslim and Rishi is a Canadian Muslim. I, 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 I don't say that. We just say you're Muslims. So, you must start thinking of yourself as a Muslim at some point after you, you have gain sufficient knowledge and you're getting more comfortable with this faith. You are are not a revert. I I mean, if you go back to the basics, all of us are reverts. I mean, my great-great-great-grandparents were reverts but I don't call myself as a revert. I say I'm a born Muslim, right? So this must be your objective, your attitude at the end of the day. At some point when you're comfortable enough, you can say I am a Muslim. Are you a revert? No, I'm a Muslim. But you convert, I am a Muslim they get um, a point after that
0: i mean even all the sahabas and even khadijah herself yeah, they're is all good. reverts, are reverts.
1: <laughs> yeah i mean until they fought in badar in the hood well, i'm a revert no, <laughs> <there's> a <laughs> <bit nonsense>. <laughs> <laughs> i mean they went through so much with the prophets <laughs> and then it cannot be they're just muslims and so should you consider yourself as one and mm-hmm. i think actually in the times that we live now I think we should be grateful to have more people who are reverts like you who are fresh to Islam who's studying Islam from a very uh from a point of view of someone who who searched for it rather than someone who's born into it uh, and perhaps uh you know th- that's why i mean I'm, I support this kind of uh, uh, uh initiative from from all of you because I think that there, there needs to be some fresh injection of the soul of the faith of uh to someone who has always been living the faith and just going through, uh, in mo- to, through the motion of it. You mm-hmm. know, so sometimes when we hear stories from someone who's new and we're like, wow, wow, he, he finds something beautiful in Islam that I take for granted. And hopefully mm-hmm. through that, then it will inspire those who are born Muslims to find Islam for themselves. And so, so I always say when I was, I mean, I'm a registrar of conversion and when I, re- when I revert someone, I always say that you are blessed that you have all these people behind you supporting you and these are your social support system. So if you're not sure, you can always ask them. You're not sure you can always go to them. But you, they must also understand that the born Muslims, they are blessed to have someone who's new to Islam who joined them as a family because it inspires them to start praying jama'ah together when last time they just prayed by their own or even they don't pray, you know. But now they have to show off of their new in-law that, you know, Alama, this new Muslim praying, I'm not praying, so I'm Alula, so I must pray, you know, that sort of thing. So it refreshes. There is the Muslim's family life because there is a new member, a new Muslim who is just joined the family. So we bless each, each other, inshallah.
0: Thank you, Ustad. Um, I got another question to ask. Um, okay, so now, you know, in such a challenging time, maybe you, have, you, maybe you explained this already, but uh, I just want to have some clarification here. Uh, sometimes it's hard to be a good Muslim. So how what are the tips to overcome this? How do you, you know, become a good Muslim? How do you become a good
1: Muslim? (laughs) What is a good Muslim? (laughs) One who prays, uh, follow his, you know, the basic at least. Yeah, someone who, number one, like I said, uh, whose belief in Allah is uncompromising, uh, who does not ascribe anything to Allah in terms of shirk. Number two, who practices the lifestyle of what it means to be a Muslim, who because of his faith and his practices of his ibadah, produce in him the characteristics of what a Muslim needs to obtain, good character, example, feel, piety, politeness, kindness, compassion, all of this ultimately would bring this person to start life, to live a life of peace. Right? Now, so, uh, a beautiful thing that, you know, I've learned about Islam is this. If you talk to others and they ask you, what is this? The answer is that. And anything that's not that is wrong and wrong. And then, is sinful, and sinful, therefore hellfire. You know that kind of logic, that, you know. So, but the beautiful thing that I realized about Islam is simply, simply this: there are many things that you can do and you should do if you want to do them, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, but sometimes you do them uh, after you reach a certain age of maturity, or certain understanding, or certain knowledge, uh, or, or or you have some form of guidance, uh, you know. And these are different for different people at different stages of their lives. But the beautiful thing is that when Allah decides and judge, He does not judge you equally like, for example, the first guy, you know, he is an, uh, a scholar and then he, he judged me by his standard. He judged you by his standard and then we definitely will all fail. Lah, right? He judged you personally on your own and at the speed of your own personal journey. And therefore, the beautiful thing about Islam is that it is, it is a journey that you discover that you become better and better. You will not be 100% doing it, all the stuff that you're supposed to do, but you pick up things along the way slowly, slowly, slowly. And then that's how. So let's say you, you stop at level 8 and then you die. Allah will judge you just by level 8. Hmm. If you die at level 3, Allah will judge you at level 3. He's not going to measure you up with someone who has achieved level 10.
2: Right.
1: Mm. Okay so I'll give you a simple example I mean I I I mean supposed to be better at reading the Quran than you I've memorized a, a fair bit and then you read beside me and you're just one year into Islam and you read and you're struggling but Islam says you know is despite of your struggle because you're new to Islam but you still continue reading you get more rewards for every single alphabet you read than me who wow. is reading fluently right so this 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 how I feel amongst others how Islam actually truly is a religion of hope. Mm-hmm. You know, so, so you, you can imagine, let's say your Prophet Muhammad and at that time when he, he just received revelation, uh, you know, you came to Mecca and said, okay, I'm the Prophet, I'm going to convert all of you and um, who do you expect to be your first few uh, followers? The rich, powerful, <laughs> like nowadays, nowadays, uh, let's just call us a spade, a speed. Nowadays, we all want the celebrities. We all want the famous people. We all want to want the important people, the rich people to follow us, right? Yeah. We just we, we, and then sometimes the the sad thing is the ustad's kind of pack to them, like sharing the limelight with them. Like you know, you know, I want to be famous, so therefore, can you please uh, collaborate with me or whatever, whatever. So, so it is this this what I mean. I see that's happening, like You know, that's not healthy. But in the earlier years of Islam, who were the followers? Of the prophet the poor, the, the, poor the slaves poor, yeah. the one that community looks so down that they don't even like care about them and they torture them and they own them you know and they do anything to them so these are the people that became the first followers of the faith who embraced the faith now if you are if you create the faith because you want glamorous Uh, or, or, you know, name for yourself, you will find that this is the wrong group of people that I'm attracting, right? But this is precisely the group of people that Allah wanted to because the slaves were the ones who were robbed of their life, robbed of their wealth, robbed of their family, robbed of hope. And so when Islam comes, when Islam says this is a religion of hope, who needs it? The people who were nearly losing hope. And these were the slaves. And these were the downtrodden people and bless others who are downtrodden. And so, so, this is what Islam is supposed to do bring you up when you're down. Not only looking for uh, celebrity status, <laughs> you know, that sort of thing. That is all just a new infliction that we have within our community. But, you know, but it's really about picking you up when you're low, uh, teaching you not to give up hope. Telling you that there's a light at the end of this tunnel. To keep on the faith and be
0: patient and be strong and steadfast, you get there. Mashallah, beautiful explanation, uh, um The other thing is, uh, we, besides you know all these uh, religious things that we do as a Muslim, uh, for those who are like our parents do, what are the other obligations you know for for us who are Muslims to perform?
1: Okay, so there's one thing that I want to clarify. When you <laughs> say these religious things that we do. <laughs> <laughs> do not limit this to just simply your ibadah mm-hmm. okay believing in god being a good muslim is in every breath that you take in okay. the way that you behave beyond the prayer mat in the way that you behave beyond the wudu, beyond the quran the way you know, islam teaches you even in the hadith is the, how you treat uh, animals Right and how when you walk in the jungle or in the park, do not pluck stuff, beautiful stuff, nice flower. Pluck, you know, Uh, this 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 plant is obstructing me. Pluck, break it up, you know. This has been existing since fourteen hundred years ago, and now mankind like suddenly become fashionable. Oh, let's care about the world, the, the earth, the climate, and all that. This is supposed to be the duty of a Muslim. So we must look at ibadah beyond rituals, because. In a Muslim's life, everything that revolves around it is ibadah. And that's why your smile is a charity. It's not just giving money to the donation. It's a smile. It's helping others. It's feeding a dying dog dying of thirst. The hadith is beautiful. It uses symbols, right? Dog, which, you know, like nowadays, we're all scared of dogs and, you know, we have to wash ourselves when we touch dogs. He says, you know, feeding this dying dog of thirst brings you to paradise and in another hadith the prostitute who feeds this dog also go to paradise like another symbol prostitute the worst amongst us in that sense right so i mean like there must be if the prostitute or the dog goes to paradise there must be hope enough for us right so so don't look at rituals just by mere uh, religious rituals everything is religious for a muslim because it is a complete way of life so that's number one. And especially for the question that you ask, what else do we need to do? And especially uh, you're a revert, you must make sure that there's always, there's always one test I, I challenge my, the people whom I reverted, and I always tell them you know, uh, to make sure that you have understood Islam properly and that you've lived Islam properly. You must be a better son or a better daughter than you were before your reversion. <clears throat> Because by faith, Islam demands that you do this, irrespective of their faith, whether they're Muslims or not, whether they, they are rude to you or whatever. Your behavior must exemplify at all times that this is how a Muslim behaves, with compassion, with mercy, with gentleness, with wisdom. You know, Don't just because your family is, un- your family is not, not a Muslim, you refuse to eat with them. When your parents uh, make effort to buy halal meat and all that to cook for you because they love you. You're still the child, right? So you must treat them as still your parent and the duty of a child to a parent in Islam. I mean, the, the, there's, there's so many, so many you know, hadith and you know, uh, sharia about it that you know, there's another topic that we can talk about. But the test for you and I always give my students is this. After you revert to Islam, you must make sure that you become a better son or a better daughter or in-laws than before. Because everything that you do now must represent the faith that you have just embraced. We fail sometimes, granted. I, Me too. Sometimes our emotion, our nerves, you know. But as soon as we realize, we, we repent, we ask for forgiveness, and then we improve ourselves, we better ourselves. That's, that's the only way for us to move forward as human beings. We're never perfect. We're not created perfect. We will will falter once in a while. But the thing about faith is if you are a true Muslim, you will never give up. You always improve yourself. And this is the jihad, jihadun nafs, the struggle of the nafs that we will talk about in some other topics,
0: inshallah. MashaAllah, beautiful explanation, Ustad. Um, So anyone here on the panel uh, have any more extra any question that you have for Ustad? How how much time do we have? Actually, we just hit the one-hour mark. (laughs)
1: Yama, if you have
2: a question, just ask. Yeah, just ask. So, uh, we know some people who are Muslims, but uh, they recently reverted, and their parents come from a different religion or culture, Mm -hmm. maybe. And, for example, in Chinese culture, it is customary to um, bow to the graves Mm -hmm. of ancestors or to uh, pray to the spirit of ancestors. Now, in order to become or to be a good son or daughter, one should... um, at least in Chinese culture, act along with those rituals. But as a Muslim, that should not be... uh, I don't think that's strictly allowed, right? Mm -hmm. So how do you reconcile being a good son or what they think is being a good son with being a good Muslim? Um, Because sometimes there's a conflict and sometimes it's difficult to solve that conflict.
1: Yeah, good question. There's also another aspect and element of being uh, a Muslim that I think most Muslims uh, fail. And I allude to this during our talk during uh, Ramadan, I think in one of those episodes, I said that one of the things I did when I moved to the US was I begin to uh, explain Islam bit by bit to those who are close to me. And this is a duty that all of us, must carry out, uh, first and foremost, before we expect others to react to us in a certain way. Before we expect our parents to understand, we must have a few sessions with them that we have explained to them what are the things that I can do and I cannot do, which by not bowing to our ancestors does not mean that I don't respect them. You, You know, if you live in that environment, you can still stand before their photos and all that, you know, and while they, while they burn joysticks sticks and they bow. You don't have to bow. You can make du'a for them while you stand in front of them. So you, you tell them, I can do certain things. I cannot do certain things. These boundaries, I cannot cross. But as, as you discuss, and there will be some arguments here and there, but over time, these arguments will, will, will be reduced and the, and the stress will be reduced, and you will come to a certain point of understanding. And this is the only way in which this stress can be managed that if you begin to slowly talk to them about it in a very non-judgmental uh, environment, maybe over dinner, maybe over a walk in the park, or, you know, that sort of thing, so that they become more re- receptive to your explanation. So when those events come to you, they know that you can do certain things, but you will stop there, and you will have no problem in them bowing or do, what, do whatever they need to do, because that's their prerogative. That's their choice. Right. right? So that is the important thing for all of you. Uh, especially if you still live with families who are not Muslims, you must always have an open communication. Don't, example, when you pray in your room, maybe when things are cool, don't just close the door. Let the door ajar a bit so that they, they can sort of like pick like, what is he doing? Oh, so this is how he prays. So they kind of sort of understand. And you know what I used to tell my students is, uh, buy a couple of uh, Quran, uh, the one without Arabic, just English translation, sort of like buy two or three and leave them all around the- <laughs> House. and then when you go to school or you go to work I'm sure one of these days they will just start opening and they start read, reading and you know w- wallahu alam, I mean hidayah comes from Allah whether he wants to open your hearts or not that's, that's Allah you're not going to force them but you're just going to make sure that the instruments in which they come to revert to Allah is available right because sometimes you will not be the best of person to, to explain sometimes the, the Quran is by itself can explain Whatever you know, open your hearts and soften your hearts. So, so these are the few things that I think you you will need to do.
0: In other right. sense of the word, I mean, is like us, you know, removing the thorns on the road, right? Oh, yeah. yeah, removing the, <laughs> the removing
1: anything yeah. that obstructs them from requiring uh, uh, information about about the faith. Yeah. So Mashallah. I mean, you, it's, <laughs> it's kind of uh, sneaky, but I think it's not like in a negative way. It's just giving them the opportunity if they so want to do it. And, but if you want to buy the Quran, that. buy the one without the Arabic one so that anybody can touch. Yes. Yeah, sorry, Lucy?
3: Oh, sorry. Yeah, I just have a question about that. You know, we often say that, you know, may the Quran um, soften our hearts. May it um, let us see, you know, what is true, what is right. But yeah. let's say, like, I don't know, like the parents of, like, a revert who is super Islamophobic or is thinking, like, what is my son or daughter reading? What is this book? They pick it yeah. up and they, they yeah. flip to the page where it says, like, oh, after you die, um, you will be yeah. on reclined couches surrounded yeah. by virgins or something like that or yeah. like pious women. Something like of a mistranslation or yeah. something of something that sounds really absurd. How yeah. how can we Kill justify find Wherever
1: you find them, that sort of versus.
3: Yeah like are right. these metaphors or are these like literal for the for the reverse who don't understand these kind of things when they yeah. when like let's say a woman picks up like Quran they, they're interested in it and they see something like oh you will be adorned with like virgins after you die they might think yeah. like ew what is this religion right but that's <laughs> yeah. not what it is they'll just get the wrong impression right yeah. so how do we actually like this um, understand So this is
1: as the perfect opportunity for you to be able to have a discussion you know i'm sure at some point uh, when let's say they are, you are arguing and then Maybe your parents or whatever will say, you see that Islam, you know, it said this, it says this, you know, whatever they quote. And then you ask, where do you find that? I read your Quran and then it said this. Then, then it gives you an opportunity for you to sit down, have more time to discuss and explain to them that the Quran is not a literal book. It, it does not mean literally what it says at certain, certain pages. And then you have time to actually have more open discussions with them. So, you, can you imagine if the more and more you have this, you actually have a shot of a mini class with them every other day. <laughs> you know, and in the, in the end, you become Mustaza and like, hey, you know, I <laughs> my class at home and you know, mashallah, and then you, do, you make dua and maybe Allah will open up their hearts and like, okay, okay lah, I have no more arguments with you. I mean, maybe after five years or ten years, okay, I want to embrace Islam. It is not uncommon. I, mean, I have converted most people who, whose kids uh, embrace Islam and they were on their dying bed like, we have to go to their house to do it because they couldn't even get up and because they, they, they really wanted to become Muslim before they die. You know, yeah. that sort of situation. Right? Yeah. So we do not know exactly when Allah opens hearts, but your job, all of our jobs is just to explain and explain and explain and this is dawah. And, and whenever you have difficulties like this, always take it as an opportunity for you to be able to converse and communicate with others. And, and we you look at the sirah of the Prophet ﷺ, it's, always, it's always like this. It's because people were arguing, people were ostracizing, people were like, you know, doing things to him and to the Muslims. And he go out there and he explains to them in the best way. If you don't know how to do that, read his biography and see how the strategies that he engaged in, the way that he explains to others that they will just listen and then some of them even embrace Islam after that.
0: Mm, MashaAllah. I mean, um, coming back to the word uh, virgin, right? I mean, it's an English word, but Mm. the Quran is in Arabic. I, I think you know, even for the word virgin, it could also mean someone who is innocent and pure in heart, not necessarily like in the sexually, in the sexually, yeah.
1: yeah, yeah, true. I mean, you can you can can talk about all you want to talk about about look Luh- Luh- il the 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 virgins whatever, but the the problem is none of us have been there like You know, to to know what it really is. So just just work hard and wait for your time, and once you're there, you know what exactly Allah means. <laughs> Yeah. You know, no point arguing about things that you don't know. Nobody nobody has been there to see it, except you know, maybe the Prophet has been to Jannah and seen it. You know, no no one else has seen it. So just take it as it is, and then that's not your job. Your job is simply to to struggle, to be the best that you can, exemplify in the best model that you could you could. That's that's all. You know, Islam is okay, another thing is Islam is a, a very simple religion. Very simple, but people make it so complicating and difficult, right? Mm. So the way people explain it and the way people be, uh, live it, y- you know, you know, if you live in this world uh, and you struggle to achieve success, what, what are some of the measures of success that you, you, you are being measured with in this world?
0: Example? Uh, I mean, what? your certificates in class, I think. Uh, say again? Your, your, your graduation certificate. Your graduation
1: yeah. certificate, class yeah. honors, which one, and then uh, what kind of job, what kind of salary, what kind of car you drive, in the end, what kind of house you live in. And all that. So I, I think it's a smaller example. I think, for example, uh, you buy I uh, I don't know, like, I don't even know, uh, Giordano bag. okay. Before you were a student, do you know what's Giordano? Is there a Giordano in your country? Well, it's just like... Just, a normal so. a normal bag, you know. <laughs> so when you're a student, well, that is the high class one. And then when you start to work and then you start to buy like Gucci and then once you buy Gucci, then uh, the next target is Prada. After Prada, the next one is, uh, I don't know, Louis Vuitton or whatever, LV, you know, whatever. So in life, if you struggle to, to, to achieve all of this, to mark your level of success, you will always be struggling because there's always something else to catch up and catch up and catch up and catch up. So if you run after the world, uh, the world will run in front of you and you never win because there's always a catching up to do with yourself, with your neighbor, with your classmate, your good friends and all, all the things. But in Islam, there's, always one, there's only one thing that Allah wants you to catch up. Guess what?
0: Your relationship with
1: Him. No. Not even that, he he defines that in the Quran. There's only one thing you need to catch up, and there's only one thing in which he deficients you in the Day of Judgment. I will, I, will, I will say the verse, and if you understand Arabic, maybe then you know the answer. Inna <inaudible> akramakum The most honorable of you in the sight of Allah in the Day of Judgment are those who are the most righteous or most god conscious or in the arabic word he used taqwa that is the only level of challenge that islam asks you to run after that is the level of success because that's the only measure that allah is going to measure you against in the day of judgment so you don't have to run around and keep on chasing things like you chase the world and you're not going to get it but in islam it is possible to get it because there's only one from the beginning of time to the end of time even after you've reached a level, there's only one, which is taqwa. Inna akramakum, the most honorable, in the Allah, in the face of Allah, atqakum is your taqwa, level of taqwa. But that's the only thing that, you know. So I'm, I'm aware, I don't know what color is this is, orange maybe, it's kind of blue, uh, herald, uh, black. You can argue until the cow comes home, which is better, which is more expensive. You know, and this is what people do. Right? Your scarf is uh, what brand? My bag is this brand? Whatever, whatever lah, you know. It's just <laughs> dumb lah, you know. So in Islam, it's just taqwa. And you know what's the thing? I cannot talk to you. Hey, I'm more taqwa than you. Are you ta- more taqwa than me? <laughs> I cannot. Because this is only Allah who judge. So we don't even talk about it. We just don't waste time. We just keep on doing things. We don't even fight or argue with one another who has a better level of taqwa. I may look like I am a person of more taqwa than you because maybe I'm more experienced in this but you never know. I wear juba, I wear sarban but I'm, I'm, it's just a show-off. Yeah. Right? Someone like you who looks normal maybe in the eyes of Allah has more taqwa. So, you never know. And that's the beauty of uh, the search because you never know and you just like do your best.
0: And to achieve taqwa is to perform all the requirements that Allah gave you.
1: I mean, in its basic form is to always, uh, to never commit shirk. number one, because that's always the most important thing about being a Muslim, the, the oneness of that one God. Number two, to perform whatever that Allah has commanded you to perform uh, and what the Prophet has in addition to, to that, the sunnah, as best as you can, as much as you can. He, he didn't give you like, you must do 100 things. No, in life, you must do 100 things. No, there's nothing. No one can ever say that to you. You can do your five things, but their five things is valued more in the eyes of Allah and it's good enough. Wallahu Allah, we don't know. So the point is always do your best. The point is never give up. The point is always have your absolute target, which is taqwa, in mind. Because that sets you free, and that gives you peace. And that's the objective of why you are Muslims. And the purpose of life. And the purpose of life. You know, like there's no point being too obsessed with criticisms of other people. I mean, people might like what we're doing, people might not like what they're doing. Well, that's that's okay. In your hearts, you're doing this to benefit whoever, you know, may benefit, and Allah will reward you accordingly. Right? If they don't like, they criticize. Okay, they don't watch, fine. They can watch. There are many other things to do, better than this, maybe. But if they find this beneficial, they like it. You get rewarded. They get rewarded, and we all can together increase our level of taqwa towards Allah. Inshallah. I mean, Inshallah. I mean.
0: All right. So we are fifteen minutes past the one hour mark, and I think uh, a lot of us have, you know, benefited from this. For me, especially, I, you know, it's like a new refresher course for me. I've been to your classes before, and <laughs> and okay. it's always very entertaining and very uh, enriching. Um, uh, anyone else on the panel have uh, questions for uh, Dale Stadzay for Rahman regarding this topic? Uh, okay, no one else. Okay. <laughs> well, okay. Well, well, why you're so quiet?
1: <laughs> talk to me, lah. You know, I like I like people to talk to me. <laughs> Otherwise, I feel like I'm lecturing. I don't like to lecture. <laughs>
3: we're just so blown away. Like we're just trying to absorb this knowledge, and it's just like so. Like you know, we're we're in a trance basically.
1: Okay, so basically, I have also another advice. Uh, I always would want to tell people this. Uh, Sometimes I find that, you know, when I'm teaching at university, I find that sometimes people want to find complicated knowledge. Always go back to your foundation, go back to your basics, and improve on your basics. And I think that is the safest way to go. Sometimes intellectual discussions, I mean, coming from, you know, someone who's in the academic world, uh, I mean, I don't really subscribe to it, but, you know, sometimes if you're too, being too intellectual about things, about faith especially, then it can bring you somewhere else. So be careful with that. So always, whatever you study, make sure that you're able to bring back to the basic foundation of Islam, you know, the, the, the belief system and the actions or, or the, uh, the Islam part of it. So if you, can, if you can make sure that they tie in or they gel in, then I think you're safe. But if it's something that's so beyond it, then maybe I don't know. Yeah, that's
0: my advice, lah. Mm, it sounds yeah. a lot like martial arts here. Like you know, we have to always get the basics right.
1: Yeah, if we don't, okay.
0: Yeah, talk, talking about that. So Iskandar and me, we 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 do
1: martial arts, right? Iskandar was doing. What are you doing, Iskandar? Boxing. Boxing. So I I do MMA. So I do boxing. I do uh jujitsu and I do uh kickboxing. Uh, my strength is, is kickboxing actually. So sometimes we, uh, Fredo's really like brought a very uh, relevant example because before I, we started this one hour ago, I really like, I don't know what's happening. I don't know what question or question you're going to ask me. I, I, I don't know. Right. So it's just like entering the boxing ring and you don't know what your opponent is going to give you undercut, uppercut or whatever, a kick or whatever. Okay. So it's just like, okay. <laughs> so in order to prepare for all of this, my basic in my training, I must be able to execute all of this and see things before they happen. Right? Once there's a slight movement, you know this, this is this going to be the thing you sort of guess. And then your, your guess becomes more acutely accurate as time goes by through experience. So, and, so your basic must always be good. Your basic, you must always go back to basics because the basics never bring you astray. Right? Mm-hmm. And then you go to the boxing ring and you just radar. All. Allah, okay, whatever you want to give me. You know, mm-hmm. with all these basic moves, this is how I'm going to tackle it. And that's, that's how I go, I do it when I go into the boxing ring. Like, I really like, I have no idea who this guy is. I mean, of course, you study him a little bit from what he does before, but you don't know if he's going to throw punches at you, how it is. But, you know, you pray and hope. And usually, the solid one comes from the basic trainings that you've always had many, many months, many years ago. These are the ones that is going to save you. It's not your intellectual discourse. and Sometimes, talking is cheap, you know. Sometimes yes. I, I people argue with me so much. I say, you, "What? You, you, just shut up, lah! What time you wake up for subuh? That's all. What time you wake <laughs> up for tahajud? How many verses of the Quran?" I mean, if they, I'm close to them, I ask them this question, lah. You know? but if I'm not close, just like now, mind, you're smarter than me, Assalamualaikum. just walk. Doesn't doesn't mean anything if I lose this argument. Is it, it, okay. But if like my close relative or my good friends, like they talk, like, eh, last two was yesterday. This, you wake up or not? You if you wake up, you can say, la. You don't wake up, right? Just shut up, lah.
0: <laughs> <laughs> sorry sometimes I'm
1: a bit a bit, I'm a bit direct and crude so like I don't like to waste time mm.
2: yeah
0: okay yeah Allah. I, I think the, today's uh, session was really beneficial and very rich I hope everyone here who uh, tuned in um, in the comment section those of viewers uh, 268 Alhamdulillah we have uh, 268 viewers I think not everyone can see this but because uh, I'm the host I can see um, and uh, everyone if who, they like it uh, recommend it to their friends please uh, share it with your friends uh, this also will be available on Apple Music and Spotify I will put it up but not immediately tomorrow <laughs> uh, I'll do my best to, to get it up so I'll let you guys know once it's up on my Instagram you, you uh, all must
1: know that Harold actually uh like work for a living you know he doesn't do this full
0: time <laughs> <So> that's why <laughs> yeah. I, I mean I, I enjoy doing this because I, I feel that you know we are also on a journey of learning and for someone who's new, it will benefit them. You know, this information can help to dispel a lot of misconception and get people to understand more about Islam. So, uh, mashallah, thank you so much, uh, Ustaz uh, maybe we shall end
2: with
1: uh, Tasbeka Farah and Suratuva. <laughs> and <laughs> I, know I know who is very good at this. <laughs> <As-salamualaikum. laughs>
0: see you just a heads up what is the next week's topic is hearts and beauty of islam so i'll share this uh, the points of discussion on my instagram as well so tune in and see you next week everyone assalamualaikum warahmatullahi wabarakatuh bye bye
2: bye everyone